I spent quite a bit of time this week watching YouTube videos produced by Vadi Bachman. Don't know if any of you know Vadi Bachman, but he, along with John MacArthur, R.C. Sproul, Lawson, and others were exposing false teachers and the problem with their doctrine. And I, as I was absorbing all of this information, I could not help but to think how the false teachers and how the false teaching of just one individual, think about this, the false teaching of one individual, how many lives that one false teacher affects in a negative way, affects to turn someone's back away from God to where they're not growing close to God, rather they're growing away from Him. One false teacher. And the more I thought about it, these thoughts brought pain to my soul. How can you think about a soul of somebody going to hell? How can you think about that soul and it not bring pain to you? And because of these men and women, and because of what they're telling people, they're telling people what they want to hear, rather than sharing the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Think about how that's harming their eternal soul, their eternal life. These teachers want people to feel okay about their sin, that everything's going to be okay. Brothers and sisters, things aren't going to be okay. Each one of us have a sin nature within us. You remember Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve brought sin into this world. God gave them one command, do not eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And what did they do? They chose to eat of that fruit bringing sin into the world for each one of us. And that's something that each one of us for all of our lives battle. And if you say, well, it's okay, live your best life now. What are you telling people? Are you telling them that Christ is the way? He can free you from your sin. Are we telling them that? Or are we sitting there letting them watch these false teachers teach them false things and not speaking up and saying, hey, don't watch them. It's not valuable for your soul. It's destruction to your soul. Brothers and sisters, that's what each one of us can do. Every one of us here can do that. Again, they want us to think there's nothing to worry about. They want people to come to their seeker friendly church. But the problem with their seeker-friendly church is it remains seeker-friendly and never sees con converts come because they're not teaching the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But at the end of the day, the gospel must be preached. It must be preached. Though the church can be seeker-friendly. And brothers and sisters, I know firsthand this church is a seeker-friendly church. But make no mistake about it, this church, this congregation, doesn't want to see you remain a seeker for the rest of your life. They want to see your heart converted to Jesus Christ, to coming into a right relationship with Him. And yes, though we want our church to be seeker-friendly, 
We do not want the congregation to remain seekers. We want to see seekers become believers. Let us take a moment and turn our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. The way seekers become believers is by exposing the seeker to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And when the gospel is preached, brothers and sisters, make no mistake about it, when the gospel is preached, toes will be stepped on. If someone comes up to you and condemns you after you have spoken the truth of the gospel, rejoice to the Lord because the message is being heard. Their spirit is being changed. The spirit of evil that lives in them is barking back at you because their heart is being challenged. We want hearts to be challenged. Brothers and sisters, if you walk out of here and your toes are never stepped on, what's wrong? There's something wrong if you never feel the pain of changing your life and your life being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. As a believer, persecution will come as well. And any of us who have been a believer long enough understand that persecution will come. Because when you're sharing the truth, you will be laughed at, you will be mocked. And many people have laid their life down for the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Believe me, when you are sharing the truth of the gospel, trouble will find you. Jesus said that we are not better than our master. And he is our master. And he suffered on this earth. He faced tribulation because of what he taught. And if he suffered persecution, he wants us to know that we will. We will suffer tribulation in this world as we expose the gospel message to the world around us. That is why he told us to count the cost. It's important to each believer that you count the cost. Every person who is coming to the cross of Jesus Christ for the first time must count the cost because there is cost to being a believer. You will be persecuted. You may even be thrown in prison. You could be beaten. You could go through many trials. You never know what they're going to be. We have been blessed in this country not to face some of those things. But that could come to this nation, the direction that it's headed. And we need to be prepared as believers. And today, that is what I wanted to talk about. I would like to talk about what it means to run your race well. What does it mean to run the race well? To finish that race towards salvation to Jesus Christ well. So let us take a moment and turn our attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 24, says this, Do you not know that in a race, all the runners, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but one gets the prize? Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. See, brothers and sisters, when you are running this race of salvation with Jesus Christ, you are to go into strict training. Think about that. How do we go into strict training? We get into the scriptures. We learn what God is trying to teach us. We live out our faith 
in the world, day by day, sharing our faith with others. And as we grow and get into the Word and continue to focus on Jesus Christ and the work that He is doing through you, He has you in strict training. He is training you. He is equipping you for the work that He has called you for in this world. And make no mistake about it, there is not one person here who is not called to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ if you are a believer. Go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and that will show you that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. And here's the best part. You don't have to worry about it or figure out how to do the good works because why? The last sentence in Ephesians 2.10 tells us that these works were already prepared for us in advance by God. He already laid them out for us before the foundations of this world. So brothers and sisters, we're in strict training. See, those who are running the race, they do not get a crown. They do not get a crown that will last. Those who are running just a normal race that they've prepared for, the crown that they get perishes. But we're running a race. We're running a race that lasts forever. And I don't want to run a race uh, like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating in the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. What is the Apostle Paul trying to teach us here? He's trying to teach us that even when we have this sinful nature living within us, that when we feel the temptation to go and sin, to fight it, to resist it, to beat your body into submission. That's literally the term that he was using, but he's telling you to fight with everything you have to overcome that temptation. And when we do that, the Spirit of God is going to work with us. Any temptation that we overcome, any sin that we do not commit, is because the Spirit of God has given us the strength to overcome it. See, we're not fighting a battle alone. We're not working alone as believers. We have God on our side, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. Brothers and sisters, John stated in 1 John 5.4, 1 John 5.4, that whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So if you are born of God, you are going to overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. See, we can overcome the world because God has given us the faith that we need, the strength that we need to overcome. And not just those around us who are persecuting us and causing us trouble, but also to overcome that temptation that ends up in our hearts. Every one of us have watched sports on television, haven't we? We all probably have our favorite sports teams. We have the favorite team that we root on to victory, don't we? We all know our team. You're thinking of them in your head right now as I'm talking to you. That team that you're rooting on to victory. And every athlete understands the pain of victory. 
don't they? They understand the sacrifice that they have made to get to where they are. Any runner who runs any kind of distance understands the perseverance and the fight within you to finish that race. Anyone who has run any kind of distance, they know that it requires a lot of work, hard work, effort, training over and over and over again, many dedicated of hours of practice, repetition, struggle, and pain. Is there ever a race that you have won where you haven't had to put in that painful effort? And dedication is key to success, to victory. If you are not dedicated, you will not be victorious. Never give up and always keep pressing on. Those are the attributes and the traits of one who is a victor. See, victory costs you something. It costs you something and can ultimately cost you everything as a believer. You could lose everything you have as a believer, even your life. And as we sit in our chairs for the game of the week, we see the end result of endless struggle, endless drills, endless trials, and endless dedication. It takes focus, unrelenting focus. The Apostle Paul told us to run the race as if we are running it to win. And he's talking about the race of salvation, the race that requires us to diligently be involved in the ministry of Jesus Christ all the days of our life, every day. And again, look what the Apostle Paul said in verses 24 and 25. Do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. That's what God wants us to do. That's how he wants us to work out our salvation day by day. He wants us to focus on him, to have our attention on him, not the things of the day or the things of the world or how much money we're going to make this week or how much money we're going to lose this week. He wants us to be focused on him, the thing that has true value. Because brothers and sisters, we have all heard it. On the day that we go and stand in judgment before the God, do you want to stand before him and have nothing? What is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his own soul? Brothers and sisters, God said that even what you have will be taken from you if you're not a believer. Even what you have. And every one of us have known somebody who has died. How many of you know that, they've, that they didn't get to take the things that they have accumulated all of their life with them? If all of you have is the material things that you've accumulated in life, when you stand before God, what do you have? You have nothing. Work towards those things that have eternal value, eternal good, and you can stand before our Lord and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. How many souls have you shared the gospel message of Jesus Christ with? Jesus is going to tell you, well done, my good and faithful servant. A brother and sister that you led to the Lord and didn't even realize that you led them to the Lord or you participated in leading them to the Lord, they're going to rejoice with you in heaven. 
Well done, my good and faithful servant. And just as athletes work with all they have to get the prize of victory, we need to do the same in our spiritual fight. And yes, it's a spiritual fight. Our life as believers are not easy. They shouldn't be easy. Jesus said they're not going to be easy. He said, take heart though, I have overcome the world. And just as an athlete works with all that they have to get the prize of victory, we need to do the same in our spiritual fight, our spiritual race, to finish the race well, to hear Jesus say those words to you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And the first step is simply to proceed, to step out in faith and trust God, to proceed. Let's get started. How many races were won by the person never taking the first step in the run? You have to step out and do it. Just as there is no way you will ever win the race if you are not in it, if you remain on the sidelines, there is no way you will win the spiritual race that God has placed you in unless you proceed. Step out in faith and trust God. Get into the Word of God. Learn what He is teaching you. Learn the written Word. And the living Word, Jesus Christ, will give you understanding. He will draw you closer to Him. He will get you out into the world sharing your faith and your love for Him with other people. That's what we are called to do. God called us to go and make disciples, didn't He? Matthew 28. Matthew 28. I think it's 29, the last two verses of Matthew 28. To go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. That's what Jesus says to each one of you, everyone here today. He called us to go and make disciples. He didn't tell us to sit on our laurels at home and turn the television on and waste the night away. That's not what God called us to do. He went out and made disciples. Jesus did. He went out and made disciples. And that's what we are expected to do. The same thing. Jesus taught us to not sin. We are expected to not sin. He wants us to live lives that are holy. And when we do sin, brothers and sisters, that's why we have the cross. The cross is not a license to sin. A cro the cross is for us to come to, to confess and say, Lord, I messed up. Forgive me. Acknowledgement of your sin. Repentance. Repentance. Without repentance, there is no salvation. If you think that I can just go do whatever I want to do and live life however I want to because I said this prayer one time in my life that accept the Lord into my heart. If you think that you can live life however you want to, do not be disappointed when Jesus one day tells you to depart from me. I never knew you because he will. Jesus challenges us to resist false teachers and false teachings. When we hear them, expose them, make them known. 
Brothers and sisters, I could tell you right now, if I hear you sharing something that's not false, I'm going to say something to you. You should be mad at me if I don't. Don't be mad at me if I do. But see, many people get mad at you because you offend them because you said that their teacher, their favorite teacher, is a false teacher. Well, I will expose a couple right now. If you listen to Joe Olstein, big mistake. If you listen to Joyce Meyer, big mistake. Those are just two. Just two. They tell you to live your best life now. And if you want more information about them, I'm happy to share it with you. Because I would rather you know where the falseness in their teaching is. It's important for you to know. The best way to learn what God wants you to know is to get into the scriptures and learn it. Get the word of God in your head. Let the spirit of God show you the truth. The disciples were instructed by the Pharisees to keep silent about their faith. And they said, how can we not speak the truth? How can we not? We are so excited that Jesus gave us life. How in the world can I possibly say that I am going to keep quiet about my faith? They didn't pay any attention to those Pharisees. They went out and continued to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, even though most of them lost their lives and were crucified because of their faith. They did what God called them to do. And brothers and sisters, when we're persecuted for our faith, we should rejoice. That's what the Apostle Paul did when he was in prison because he was sharing the truth. Or when he was beaten 40 times minus one, lashes on his back, he rejoiced because he was worthy to be beaten because of his faith. That's what he said, that he was worthy because Christ made him worthy. So in this race, we must keep moving. Don't give up when things get tough. Stay in the race. Don't give up. Stay in the race. The race is not over until we cross the finish line. And brothers and sisters, every one of us here will cross the finish line. Whether we're participating in this race or not, we will call, cross that finish line that is called death of this physical body. But make no mistake about it, you live on. And you live on in one of two places, not one of three or four or five, maybe being reincarnated, that's not the way it works. You will either be raised, you will either be, be aware that you are in the eternal presence of God or eternally separated from Him in hell. Those are the two choices. And the thing is, the great thing is, you get to choose. It's your choice. It's your choice whether you want to believe what I'm sharing with you today. My job is to share the truth with you. My job isn't to make you accept the truth. You accept it because God has called you to accept it. And you're willing to accept it in your heart and believe Him and live. And Jesus will tell you, well done, my good and faithful servant. The Apostle Paul said, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what, I, what shall I choose? I do not know. The Apostle Paul was torn. He wanted to be in the presence of the Lord, but he knew the Lord still had work for him to do on this earth. 
So he wanted to be in the will of the Father, but he wanted to be in heaven with God. Imagine living your life here on earth, desiring to be outside of this body more than you desire to be in it. Yet, you want to be in God's will, so you're willing to stay in this body because God has called you to the mission of his work. He said, I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is by far better, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith, so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ will overflow on count of me. The Apostle Paul said, your joy will overflow in Jesus Christ because of who? Him, the Apostle Paul, because he's willing and able to participate and do the work of Christ. Brothers and sisters, someone's joy in life can be, be full because of you being willing to tell them the truth of the gospel message. It's not your job to change their hearts. That's God's job. Your job is to share the truth of the gospel message with them. And how do we do that? We got to be prepared. We must be prepared. So let's look again at 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. What does strict training look like for the believer? As a believer, we learn to be more like Jesus. That's what Jesus has called us to, to be more like him. We are sanctified. We are transformed into the likeness of God. And day by day, he makes us more and more like him. And part of becoming more like Jesus is to study. Jesus studied. Jesus got the word of God in his heart. He ministered the word of God with his lips. We also want to learn more about the nature of our God. Because brothers and sisters, God is far more complex and difficult to understand than we will ever understand in this earth. But we do grow closer to him, learn more about him. We will never in this lifetime learn everything there is to know about God. He created everything that's in existence. He created time itself. He is outside of time. He is eternal. He has always existed before time and he will always exist when this world is done. He was, he's always been. No beginning. He's just always been. So learn about him. Learn about his nature. Learn and grow more aware of the strategies of our enemy. That's a number one thing right there that I'd like you to grasp if you grasp nothing else today. Is learn the strategies of our enemy, the devil. Because he is every one of our enemy. Whether you're a believer or not, you must understand his tactic. And what does he do but mix lies with truth? He takes lies and mixes them with truth. He is a deceiver. He is your accuser. He stands before God and accuses you to God. He does. He accuses you. 
He whispers in your ear, see, you're not going to heaven. See what you did? You did it again. You screwed up again. Well, when he does that to you, turn the tables and run to the cross of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I just realized that I sinned. I felt short of your glory. Forgive me. I confess. Repent of that sin and move on. Don't let the devil win. Don't let him tempt you. And then that temptation lead right into sin. Wrestle with it. Fight it. Brothers and sisters, that's why I think false teachers of the gospel message of Jesus Christ is more dangerous than someone who teaches about Satanism. That's more dangerous and why? Because they're taking the message of the cross and adding something to it. Or they're taking the message of the cross and taking something away from it. Remember reading in the Bible about the Judaizers? The Judaizers were adding to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. They added one thing, that you have to be circumcised to go to heaven, and to, but you still have to accept Jesus Christ. Well, on the surface, that doesn't sound too bad, does it? It doesn't sound too bad. Well, if it's gonna, that's all we got to do to appease these guys, let's go ahead and just do it. I still believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and there's no one way to heaven but by him. The Apostle Paul called them false teachers. False teachers. Be aware of false teachers and their teaching. If you have a favorite teacher who is a false teacher, brothers and sisters, I encourage you to really examine what they teach. I even had somebody one time say, well, you know, I listen to them because I get a nugget of truth every now and then out of them. Okay, why not listen to somebody who's preaching the gospel message the way the gospel message should be preached all the time and listen to that person instead. Get into the Word of God instead of listening to that person that might share a nugget here and there that's the truth. I mean, really, that's what we need to do. Don't let these false teachers continue to infiltrate our church. Do not be disqualified for the prize because you like your false teacher more than the teachings of Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.22 and 23 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against things like this, there is no law. And brothers and sisters, self-control is the biggest battle every one of us here have. Self-control. We want to do things our way, in our time, and we don't want anybody to get in our way. We want it to be our way. God wants us to allow it to be His way. Give Christ the reins of your life. Let Him lead your life. 2 Peter, 2 Peter 1, 4 through 8. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 4 through 8 says this, Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge 
and to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Think about that. When we trust God and we follow His plan and His ways, they're far better than ours. See, brothers and sisters, false teachers want you to think that everything's going to be okay. And I want you to know that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you have life in Him because you have repented of your sins and you have acknowledged Him as your Savior, you are saved. And you will enter into the gates of heaven. But, brothers and sisters, again, like I told you earlier, salvation is not a one-time transaction between you and God. We have such a way of deceiving ourselves into thinking we have something we don't. We should continually fight this battle in our life every step of the way, every day. And when we do, not only have we been saved, we will continue to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And then when we die and we're in the presence of God, we will be saved. That's the power of God in your life. When you are running that race, like you have to win that race. When you're involved with God, like you have to be involved with God, and you want to be, and you want to serve Him. We must be ready when God calls us to serve. We must be ready when we cross the finish line. Benjamin Disraeli says this, the secret to success in life is for a man to be ready for his time when it comes. For a man to be ready for his time when it comes. He's talking about death. Are you ready? If God comes and calls you home today, if he takes you from this physical body today, are you ready? That's the way we want to run this race, that we can say, yes, I am ready, like the Apostle Paul. So as we close today, let us run this race of perseverance, dedication, and truth, regardless what it costs you, regardless what it costs you, whether it costs you your job or your friends whether it cost you being thrown in prison or it cost you your life. Let us run this race with perseverance, dedication, and truth. Brothers and sisters, we can be sincere about many things, but make sure your sincerity in serving Christ is a genuine saving faith and not one of a false gospel because at the end of the day it is only truth that matters doesn't matter what I say doesn't matter what you say doesn't matter what you think or what I think at the end of the day what matters is the truth remember Pilate what he asked Jesus 
when he was interrogating Jesus, the one question that he asked Jesus, and brothers and sisters, this is the question of a lifetime for every one of us. What is truth? What is truth? That's the question. That's the real question. And there's only one true answer, and sincerity is not enough. There will be many sincere people who will enter into the gates of hell. It doesn't matter what any one of us think or say. If we do not have a relationship that is personal with Jesus Christ, we will enter into the gates of hell. But if we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we will have eternal life. It doesn't matter what you think or say when it comes to the gospel message of Jesus Christ. It only matters what God says. What God says is what matters. Will you hear Him? Or will you continue your life of unfulfilled sin? That's really what it boils down to. Do you want to continue to live your life of unfulfilled sin? Or do you want to listen to God? If you hear Him, you will gladly acknowledge your sin and your inability to pay that great debt because you can't pay that debt. There's nothing you can do to earn your way into heaven. You can't do enough good things to enter into the king kingdom of God. Good works, you do those because you are saved, not to get saved. You will know that Jesus is the one and only Son of God, fully human and fully God, who came to this earth for the sole purpose to redeem those who, who will believe that He willingly gave Himself at the cross and willingly sacrificed His blood so that we can have life. He, Jesus, is the only way into heaven. There is no other way. None. Zero. Zero other ways into heaven except through Jesus Christ. Jesus said... Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and, of the and the life and that no one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way. No other way into heaven except through Jesus Christ. Acts 4.12 taught us, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Acts 4.12. Not David. Acts 4.12. So let us keep our eyes on the prize. Let us fight the good fight. Let us run the race of salvation well and keep our eyes on our Redeemer, Jesus Christ. Let us pray, brothers and sisters. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you have given us this race to run in, Lord. And Father, that you want each one of us to participate. That you want each one of us to have the knowledge of who you are. And that you are the way and the truth and the life. And that there's no way into heaven except by you. And Father, we just ask that you give each one of us understanding. That you equip each one of our hearts to accept and understand this message. And to grow closer to you today. And Father, that if we haven't began the race today, that we will begin that race. And we will start and we will proceed. We will take that first step. And Father, we also ask that you continue to prepare our hearts, that you continue to work in us, to change us day by day, to make us more like you every day, as you sanctify us, Lord, and make us more like you. And Lord, we look forward to that great day of salvation when we stand before you and you say, well done, my great, my, my, my faithful servant, well done. And we're so thankful for you, Lord, and what you did for us at the cross. And we thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen.